Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. This episode is sponsored by the town of Westlock. And that's the community that we're looking at the history of today. It's a really interesting community located just north of Edmonton, and I've been there a few times, and it's got a lot to offer. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. So we're going to be going through the history of Westlock, and as usual with these episodes, I'm not going through a chronological history but I am looking at various segments of its history. And throughout this episode, I'll be bringing in clips from my interview with the mayor of Westlock. Indigenous History Before Europeans arrived in the area, which would begin with Anthony Hende in 1754, the indigenous inhabited the land that would one day be Westlock. They would follow the bison through the area, and artifacts of the indigenous have been found through the years around Westlock. The fur trade in the area would become active around the 1760s onward, as fur traders and explorers came through the area. The first mention of the district in writing would be thanks to David Thompson, who came through in April of 1799. The area of future Westlock was a popular stopping place for the indigenous because of the Pembina River. The very earliest records of the indigenous being in the area comes from archaeological research. It is believed the original inhabitants to come through the area were incursions from the plain indigenous. This area was covered in boreal forest and the indigenous who arrived became the Athabascan-speaking Beaver people, who themselves would be replaced by the Algonquin-speaking Cree. Many settlers and farmers have found projectile points on their land and many of these have been placed in the Pioneer Museum. It is believed that when the fur trade opened up around 1750 in the west, the Cree entered the area living as mobile groups of 50 to 100 people who hunted, fished and gathered in the area. The bison were an important part of their lives, as was mentioned previously, and bison skulls and remains have been found on land when it was being cleared. Today, Westlock is home to hundreds of indigenous and Métis individuals, and the community sits on Treaty 6 land. The treaty was signed on August 21, 1877, and the Cree, who had traded through Fort Assiniboine for decades, relocated to Lac Lanon, near the future Westlock. When Treaty 6 came into effect, the Cree moved to Alexander First Nation Reserve around 1880. Founding of the Community The settlement of Westlock would begin in 1902, but it was not quite Westlock. If you've listened to my episodes on community histories before, you will see two trends. Either the town has to move to be near the railroad, or the community needs to change its name, 
Sometimes, both things happen. In the case of Westlock, there is a little of both. The original settlement was founded five kilometers to the east of present-day Westlock. Four Edgerson brothers built a stopping place there, and that stopping place formed the basis of a community for settlers coming from eastern Canada, the United States, and Europe. The community was going to be named Edgson, but misspellings in the mail led them to change it to Edison, which was chosen in honor of Thomas Edison. Around the same time Edison was being founded, some unique carvings were also found. Two carvings made to resemble the face of two men were taken down from a tree by a timber inspector and brought to the home of G. Berry, who was a local farmer. The carvings were eventually taken to the provincial museum years later. According to the museum, several such carvings were sometimes found, but usually in the Sangudo area. It is known that the Iroquois came to the area with fur traders and often camped nearby, and the Iroquois were known for their carvings, and it's believed that the carvings of the faces were at least a hundred years old when they were found. By 1912, the community had grown to have 13 buildings, including a harness shop, a blacksmith, many homes, two churches, and even one family living in a tent while they waited for their home to be built. In 1912, the Edmonton, Dunvegan, and British Columbia Railway mapped out a new town site, which would be future Westlock. For Edison, that was not good news. They had Clyde to the east and Westlock to the west, and they'd been bypassed by the railroad. The end was near for the community. In 1914, the Methodist Church was moved from Edison to the new community of Westlock. The name Westlock would come from the names of William Westgate and William Lockhart, who owned the property that the future town would sit on. The first four letters of each last name formed Westlock. Within a few years, Westlock was booming. On March 13, 1916, the hamlet became a village with a population of 65 residents. That same year, the first grain elevator would go up, a brick schoolhouse would be built, and Westlock would grow in popularity among the rural residents of the area. In 1918, the first bank, the Merchants Bank, was opened, and a permanent brick schoolhouse was built in 1926. In 1928, a hospital was opened out of a former house, and a cenotaph for fallen soldiers was unveiled in 1934. On January 7, 1947, Westlock became a town, as its population had reached 854 people. The community was ready for the latter half of the 20th century. Nearby to Westlock, you'll find Protestant Hill. When the first homesteaders came to the area, three houses were located at the base of a large hill. They were the houses of Joseph Beauchamp, Ferdinand Beauchamp, and Ecleg Laguerriere, along with their families. Just a bit farther south, there was a large cross that marked the site of a future church. Bill McKay, a local settler, named it Protestant Hill as a result. I think Westlock as a community uh, has has a lot to offer offer visitors. Um, um, we're an ag we're an ag based community, so lots of multi generational people. Um, we uh, our our town is just over five thousand, so we we're we're heavy on the amenities, on recreational amenities. Got a beautiful uh, new rec center and a really great aquatic center. A uh, couple of really interesting museums with world-class collections. Our our Canadian Tractor Museum has uh, has a world-class agricultural collection, um, and our our little Pioneer Museum has several very interesting collections. The Canadian Tractor Museum in the Westlock area after the first elevator was built in 1916 the community became a focal point for farmers surrounding the community. For those farmers, harvesting and shipping grain was their lifeblood. 
Initially, those early settlers would come to the area and clear the land by hand, which was no simple task. Once that was done, they would get to work seeding the areas they had cleared and beginning the process of being a farmer. As the months wore on, they would harvest their crop either using animal power or by hand once again. As time went on, mechanized agriculture became more popular and common. A machine could do the work of dozens of men and faster, and the age of the tractor was born in Westlock. That history is actually chronicled in the Canadian Tractor Museum. Many of the children of settlers had grown up farming in the area and still had many old tractors on their land. Rather than letting their tractors and steam engines disappear in the landscape, they chose to save those farm implements. The Vintage Tractor Club then would get to work with fundraising, donations, and lobbying for grants. They became a society under the Alberta Society Act, and the West Lockton District Tractor Museum Foundation was created in 1999. In 2002, a 20,000-square-foot facility was opened, and then expanded on four years later. Today, the museum has 90 restored full-size tractors, 30 stationary engines, hundreds of toy tractors and implements, and hundreds of literature resources. One of the standout items of this museum is the 50-foot working weather vane, the largest in the world, that has a 1942 Model D case on top of it. Oh, the Canadian Tractor Museum was the brainchild of the, as I said, we're agricultural based, uh, of a number of, of fellows, um, local farmers and and uh, they put together the money. We've got a we've got the world's largest uh, weather vane there with a full size tractor mounted on top of it that turns in the wind. Um, and they have a collection of some of the most interesting agricultural implements that you'll ever see. Uh, and and every variety. It's a and they're they're constantly expanded. They've just uh, we had one of our longtime citizens who ran the. The John Deere dealership passed away here recently this year. A real true community builder, Mr. Albert Miller, and donated uh, another bunch of antique tractors to them, somewhere between 80 and another 120, uh, many of them fully restored uh, antique tractors to the collection. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Pioneer Museum You never know what you'll find when you visit a local museum. And in Westlock, you will find something truly unique.
The museum is home to the Gramophone Exhibit, which opened in 2008, and currently houses over 150 gramophones and other memorabilia, making it the most extensive collection of such items in all of Western Canada. The story of Bernard Wheezy, for whom the exhibit was named, is one of a family who came looking for a better life, allowing their children and descendants to prosper. Bernard was born on May 27, 1930, near Westlock, the second child of seven. His family had come from Prussia to Minnesota in 1867, and in 1913 his grandfather had moved to Westlock. Bernard first attended school at the Sunny Bend School around 1936 and would graduate in 1950 from the Vermilion Agricultural College. After spending many years working on his farm, he would retire and begin writing local history books, while also helping to found the Vintage Tractor Club I had mentioned earlier. He would pass away on July 5, 2017, and within this exhibit is an extremely rare nickel-plated Edison phonograph dating from 1912, the only known model in existence. The collection also features a Columbia gramophone dating from about 1899. In addition to the gramophones, there's also the True Blood Family Firearm Exhibit that features firearms traced back to the original homesteaders of the area. Over 100 vintage guns and numerous types of ammunition are on display. The collection features a Civil War carbine, a Marlin rifle dating from 1893, an 1819 Barnett trade rifle, and a Hudson's Bay Company presentation rifle. There's also the Max and Mary Wise Aladdin Lamp Collection, featuring 140 lamps in mint condition. Max had begun collecting the lamps in 1978 after he read Aladdin, The Magic Name in Lamps. For the next 27 years, he collected some of the most rare and beautiful examples of Aladdin lamps, and then donated them to the museum. Included in this collection is the Aladdin Super 5 radio. In the 1920s, the Aladdin company attempted to diversify and began building radios, along with phonographs but both business ventures for the company failed. In the collection, you will also find a wall bracket lamp dating from 1912, one of only five left in the world. Going with the theme of huge collections, the Pioneer Museum also has the Mildred Hay Doll Collection, which opened in May of 2010, and features one of the largest doll collections in Canada. Hundreds of Barbies, Cupies, porcelain, and other types of dolls are available to view in the museum. If there's a doll you loved from your youth, chances are you're going to find it there. Beyond these huge collections, the museum features hundreds of other objects donated by descendants of the early settlers to the area. From pioneer farm equipment, to vehicles, to wedding dresses and kitchen utensils, this museum helps you relive the life of the Westlock pioneers. One interesting part of the general collection is a 1918 Smith Flyer. The Smith Flyer was designed in England to allow bicycle riders to have access to a motorized bicycle, and they were built out of Milwaukee. The Pioneer Museum is located where the old outdoor swimming pool was, where we all took our, our swimming lessons, and I played water polo. We were provincial champions in 1974-75, and uh, when we built a new pool, uh, that building was added onto and turned into a museum. It, uh, it run by a society, um, got a, a couple of really interesting uh, collections. Uh, uh, Bernard Wheezy's gramophone collection is, is absolutely world-class. They've got gramophones that the Smithsonian Institute does not have. Um, and, uh, and a very large Mr. Trueblood's gun collection uh, mounted there, a, a very interesting collection of guns. 
and a huge collection uh, of dolls, actually. But a little bit, many people have, have donated things uh, to our museum over time, and a little bit of everything uh, uh, that talks about Westlock's history. The St. Philip's Church. While there aren't many buildings within the community that have been recognized as provincial historic sites, one building has been recognized by the community itself for its history. St. Philip's Church was built in March of 1913 when the community of Westlock was still a small location with only a few dozen people. Over the years, the church would go through some changes, but overall the structures stayed the same, while the steeple was revamped slightly in the 1960s. In October of 1986, the church was recognized as a heritage site by the town of Westlock. Today, the church has a plaque on it outlining its historic designation in the community, and the plaque reads, The Town Council of Westlock recognizes St. Philip's Anglican Church as a historic building in the community since March 1913. The church isn't the only historic building in the community, and a binder at the Pioneer Museum actually chronicles the houses that were built in the community prior to 1945. The Centennial In 2016, Westlock celebrated 100 years since the community became a village. The community went all out to celebrate, with events going on for an entire year, bringing in 5,000 people and showcasing over 50 local artists and performers as part of the anniversary. The main event was from July 1st to 3rd of that year. We celebrated our 100th anniversary in 2016. And uh, did we created a walking tour of some of the historic buildings uh, in our town, but it was really a large homecoming. And in our big new rec center, we planned a big first uh, of July homecoming. Uh, one of the local musical bands that played at everybody's wedding and all the cabarets back in the 70s came out of retirement and practiced <laughs> for over a year and put on a great big dance. And it was a really, really, really good event. It was well attended and, and people came home from all over. We had people as far as Portugal come back to Westlock. Wow. And at one of our little luncheons during, we had a really a week of celebration or a year of celebration, I guess. And at one of our luncheons, people uh, would uh, brought in all kinds of things that they were saving, a, a tax bill from the, <laughs> the 1920, uh, $1925 of $14.13 <laughs> of their municipal taxes. And uh, many of them would not give up their artifacts, but we were able to photocopy them and keep them in, in archives. And we did a, a, a time capsule at that time. And it was really a year of celebration. I was very honored to get to be the mayor during that time. I had a lot of fun. Notable residents. Every town has notable residents from its history. Some towns have a couple, others have several. Westlock is one of those towns that has several. I'm going to look at a few of them now. W.A.C. Bennett is actually the most famous person to come from Westlock in its history. Born in Hastings, New Brunswick on September 6, 1900, Bennett was the third cousin of future Prime Minister of Canada, R.B. Bennett. After he left formal school at the age of nine, he would move to Edmonton at the age of 18 and then to Westlock to work at his father's hardware store. He would live in the community until 1930, three years after opening his own hardware store, 
and then selling it in 1929 after the stock market crash. He would move to Kelowna at this point and eventually became the 25th Premier of British Columbia, serving for two decades from 1952 to 1972. Kyle Chipchura was born in Westlock on February 19, 1986, and played minor league hockey in the community before beginning a major junior career with the Prince Albert Raiders. After being selected 18th overall by the Montreal Canadiens in the 2004 NHL entry draft, he would go on to play 482 games in the NHL, recording 104 points, along with 183 games in the KHL, recording 61 points. He would also win gold at the Helenka Gretzky Cup in 2004 and gold at the World Junior Championship in 2006. Herbert Greenfield was born in Winchester, England in 1869 and came out with his family to Alberta in 1904. A fire would destroy their home that first year and he and his wife spent the winter in an old sod hut. In 1906, he moved south of Westlock and began a political career that saw him serve 12 years on the local school board as president of the Westlock Agriculture Society and president of the Alberta Association of Municipal Districts. In 1921, he was elected to the Legislative Assembly of Alberta, serving until 1926. During that time, he was the fourth Premier of Alberta from 1921 to 1925. As Premier, he saw the elimination of the provincial deficit, progress in negotiating natural resource rights with Ottawa, creating the Alberta Wheat Pool, and naming the first female cabinet minister in provincial history. He would move to Calgary after his time in politics, passing away in 1949. Carolyn Don Johnson was born in Grand Prairie in 1971, moving to Westlock as a young child and attending high school in the community. After attending university in Edmonton, she would co-write Single White Female, which would become a number one hit on the Billboard Hot Country singles and tracks. She signed with a record label in 2000 and released her debut album, Room with a View, which produced the hits Georgia and Complicated. She has since released three more albums, and over the course of her career, she has been nominated and won several Juno Awards and Canadian Country Music Association Awards. Greg Polis was born in Westlock on August 8, 1950, and began his professional hockey career when he was selected 7th overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 1970 NHL Entry Draft. He would play in three All-Star games with the Penguins, earning MVP honors in 1973. Over the course of 615 games in the NHL with Pittsburgh, St. Louis, the New York Rangers, and Washington Capitals, he had 343 points. Dale Thompson was born in Westlock on June 17, 1923, and after serving in the Royal Canadian Air Force during the Second World War and awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross, he would attend school in Edmonton, Paris, and Germany. Eventually, Thompson would become the Associate Private Secretary to Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent, and after 1958 was professor at McGill University and Vice Principal of the school. He would pass away in 1999. What a visitor would expect is friendly people. Uh, as I said earlier, we're an agricultural-based community, so you have, have multi-generational families here. And uh, uh, when people ask me, what's the greatest thing about Westlock? Well, you know, we do have the largest uh, weather vane. We maybe don't have the largest ball of twine. But I, what I always answer when I think about it is that people in Westlock care about each other. Uh, we're invested in each other's success. I think you'd find a very friendly town and people that were more than willing to help you 
find what you needed, uh, visit what, uh, what was interesting. I, I think you'd find a very friendly and welcoming town. Our motto and our, on our uh, uh, strategic plan for the community is, is Westlock, a community with spirit. And I think that what makes it a great place to, to, to stop is that you would experience that spirit. We're a, we're a friendly and welcoming town with a, with a great spirit, lots to do and see, and, and people will feel safe and welcome here. I hope you enjoyed that look at Westlock through its history, and if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history on my website. Just go to canadaehx.com. You can also find all my podcast episodes there. And again, if you want to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx, just like all of these wonderful patrons have. Aaron O'Hara, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., Vic Hedges, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, Spencer M., Renee Beliveau, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.